On this episode, we're talking Chuck, Season 5, Episode 12, Chuck versus Sarah. That's right. And to celebrate, Aaron and I have each prepared some uh, pretty biting insults about one another for a little Chris versus Aaron action. So I will go first. Aaron, I've been waiting to tell you this since the day I met you. but Roast me. Deep down, I think that you are one of the kindest people that I've ever met. See, it was, let's see what I did because it was like... Mm, that's that's really nice. Um, were were we supposed to do joke insults? Yeah, why? What did you write about me? N- nothing. Well, I'm really curious what Erin wrote down on her cards right now, but I guess... And you will never know. It's all very nice. (laughs) She said as she dropped them into the paper shredder in front of me, that's... (laughs) That's okay. Then I set it on fire, yeah. I'm sure they were all very kind and very nice things about me. Hello, my name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Erin Arata, and yes, they were. So kind, so nice. Um, Like, you you would have... It would have brought a tear to your eye, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe maybe like this episode of Chuck. I guess we'll find out. We're talking about <laughs> Chuck versus Sarah, which is the penultimate episode of Chuck ever. The whole, the whole, the whole. Chuck. <laughs> I was going to say the second to last episode of the season, which is true, but it's also yeah. second ever. to last. I, I for one, am like, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't really fully processed. And I'm like, there's only one episode of Chuck left. It's very uncomfortable and weird. Um, this has been such a journey, much like the characters of Chuck really reminiscing on everything mm. they've been through this episode. Coming to the end of the show has really made me reminisce on everything uh, we've been through. Rewatching Chuck uh, really brought us brought us closer together as as people, as friends, as uh, really, really changed me. Maybe changed me back like Sarah. Got, I, I started off somewhere, made a change, then went back to the beginning. But now I'm changing again. Yeah, I, it's I feel like we had just started the episode or like we just started. It feels like yesterday. But then I'm like, holy shit, we've watched and recorded about almost every single episode of Chuck, which seemed like such a daunting task at the start of it. And now is something that we can say that we have done. That's true. Not not everyone can say that. I didn't. I wasn't. I was like, well, I'm sure if we stick with it, we can do this. But I was not super confident at the beginning. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's good to know. But I think both of us are like individually. I think we're stubborn and also like we can be dedicated when we put our minds to it. And yeah. I think combined, we created this kind of super dedication that a lot of us wanted through. to let the other down <laughs> and we just <laughs> yes here we are the strongest motivator is guilt that's right for both of us absolutely <laughs> i think that's why we're probably as close as we are because we share that yeah um so this is an episode that is i mean it's it's rather serious and kind of heavy this episode to talk about so i thought before we jump into that we could start things off with a little bit of a fun game just okay. to kind of have a mm-hmm. little bit of, you know, brightness in this episode that is otherwise kind of bleak. Uh, so inspired by the episode title, which is Chuck versus Sarah, I've created a little game that is called Zach versus Yvonne, which is uh, Zachary Levi and Yvonne Strahovski. And so I'm going to ask you a question or I'm going to ask you multiple questions and you have to decide whether the answer is Zach or Yvonne. OK. Makes sense? I think so. OK. Who is taller? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Zach. That's correct. Zach is 6'3", okay. and Yvonne is about 5'9". Which is okay. still, that's pretty tall. I think that's, that's on the... That's pretty tall, and she does, like, she does wear heels a lot in the mm-hmm. show, so I'm sure that increases things, but, okay. One, one for one so far. Who is older? Ooh. Um, huh. I'm going to say... Yvonne. Ooh, no, it's Zach. No! Oh, Zach okay. is about two years older than Yvonne. Okay. He was born in 1980. She was in 1982. Okay. I remembered that they were similar in age, that it wasn't like a huge age gap, but I mm. um, I did not remember that. So, cool. Okay. Whose parents are immigrants? Yvonne. That is correct. They emigrated from Poland to Australia. 
that that I knew. Um, and like also she is I mean, I don't know where she currently lives, but like she is Australian. So it, it would make sense that uh, mm-hmm. her parents would be immigrants if they came to America. Who has more siblings? Ooh. Well, I know that I know that Zach has at least one because she was on the set of Chuck at one point. Yeah, we saw that. Yep. Um, I don't know if Yvonne has any. She might. Um, I'm going to go with Zach. That is the correct answer. I'm not I could not find anything about Yvonne having siblings online, so she might. But it didn't seem like it. it says that Zach has two sisters. Okay, cool. He's the the middle child. That makes sense. He ha- he does have middle child energy. Which person uses a stage name rather than their actual last name? That's definitely him. That's Zach. It's a trick question. It's actually oh, no! both of them. Oh, my God. Because remember, well, so apparently Strahovski is like an Americanized pronunciation or spelling of her actual last name. Okay. Which is much more Polish and Eastern European and allegedly mm-hmm. sounds somewhat like Strahovski. I'm not going to attempt to say it, but... Uh-huh. So technically, they both use stage names, interestingly enough. What is um, what is Zach's? Zach's real last name is Pew. Pew? Yeah, P-U-G-H. It's uh, Welsh. Oh, okay, okay. Like Florence. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly okay. like that. Um, I wonder if they're related. Who has more Emmy nominations? Uh, I think it's her. It is, yes. Yvonne has two. Zach has uh, zero. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Who has more Teen Choice Awards? I'm going to go with Zach on that one. That is a trick. They are tied. Oh, no! They, they both have one each. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. What is what is each one for? Uh, Best, like, favorite actor in an action series or something like that. For Chuck. Okay, for Chuck. I was like, I, I feel like the teens, I'm hoping, aren't watching Handmaid's Tale. Um, so. I don't, who, I, we were teens when the Teen Choice Awards were going on. I was never asked for my opinion on any of these choices. How did they determine which teens <laughs> were online. choosing? I think, online? I think you oh. vote, yeah. <laughs> who has more TV Guide Awards? <laughs> I'm gonna, ooh. Like, my instinct is to go with Zach, but, like, that, that would just be based on Chuck, like... Is TV Guide still a thing? Because if it's still a thing, then like I could imagine some Handmaid's Tale getting up in there. I'm going to stick with Zach. So Yvonne actually has two. Interesting. Zach only has one. And the one that Zach has is also one of the ones that Yvonne has because they won best on-screen couple for Chuck. Okay, cool. But she has one separately, I think. I thought you were going to say Chuck. that he he won his for his, his role on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which would have been really funny. Also, that's not... That's not a show that TV Guide, I feel like, would cover because it's not actually on TV. It's on Amazon. Who could say what TV Guide is anymore? <laughs> uh, we only have two more questions. Uh, who has appeared in more video games? Yvonne. No, it's actually Whoa! Zach. Okay, what, what's he been in? He's been in five. Um, oh, shit. He's been in... Um, I could tell you right now. He was in Halo Reach. As Interesting. Trooper number four. Okay. Everyone's favorite trooper. Fallout New Vegas as Arcade Ganon. Sure. Lego DC Supervillains uh, super as Billy Batson slash Shazam. Yeah. Okay. Kingdom Hearts 3 as Flynn Oh, Rider. yeah. Flynn Rider. Okay. I wasn't thinking about that. And then he's in a more recent game that's called Grounded, um, which looks like it might just be for the Xbox. Okay. And, and Yvonne is just in, what, like three? Yeah, so she's in Mass Effect, obviously. She's technically, her first Mass Effect thing was like a mobile game, I guess, which they probably made at the same time they were making Mass Effect 2. That one counts. She's in that. She's in Mass Effect 2. She's in something called The Third Birthday. Which Sounds like a good game. Is a third-person role-playing shooter uh, co-developed by Square Enix. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it was on the PlayStation Portable. That explains that. And then PSP. She was in Mass Effect 3, and then she was in the remastered version of the Mass Effect games. That just so that's out. just four. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, sort of five, if you count the mobile games. Yeah, but... I think, well, I think I was right. Well, I guess they're tied, so <laughs> okay, I was still fine. Wrong. I'll give you that one. Thank you, okay. The last question, who has appeared in more college humor videos? <laughs> that's a tough one. 
Because um, as as was revealed to you last episode, mm-hmm. Yvonne does tend to be, at least in this era, a little bit sexualized. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely imagine her being in like some kind of raunchy college humor videos where she's playing like a sexy woman. Could imagine her like that being a well that they go back to. But like Zach's kind of like a funny white guy. And that seems to be like a well that college humor goes to all the time. Um <laughs> I, I feel like I would answer this question better, like, back in my, like, days when I was watching College Humor. I'm going to go with Zach. And it was actually Yvonne. No! Zachary has not appeared in any of them. Wow! Yvonne was in one, which is okay. the most aggressively, like, 2009-ish sounding <laughs> video that I could... She plays Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Kesha, and Justin Bieber... Okay. A song parody music video. Um, and how did how did you feel about seeing Yvonne playing Katy Perry? Because that's like your two your two 2011 crushes. <laughs> that's true. You think that there would be part of me that would be all over that, but I was really not. Uh, currently, I did watch the video because I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, I do not recommend. It's not a good video. It's not a good <laughs> song parody. The it's Yvonne's basically just lip syncing in it, and she, you know, she's trying in it, and her portrayal of Justin Bieber is pretty funny. Okay, but other than that, I do not recommend looking it up. Okay, but yeah, good job. I wasn't keeping score, cool. but let's say you won. <laughs> good job, Aaron. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was fun. And I've actually prepared a game for you. Just Great. kidding. I didn't I didn't oh. prepare anything. Um, the game is just we talk about the episode. I love that game. I play it every week. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is Chuck versus Sarah. You may remember from the previous episode that Sarah has had her mind wiped um, because she downloaded a faulty intersect. And Nicholas Quinn, who is an American man, not a Scottish man, um, used some sort of uh, flashcards to make her flash to the point where she lost all of her memory. And that's bad news. So this episode starts with Chuck, Morgan, and Casey sitting in Chuck's apartment, worrying over what has happened to Sarah and if she's okay. Chuck says that their best course of action is to find the CIA's... Apparently the CIA has another intersect. I thought the like it's been the last intersect for a while now um but apparently that was wrong they are working on another intersect they have a pristine copy that won't melt your brain and chuck knows that quinn's going to be going after it so he assumes that quinn will be bringing sarah along or she will be involved in some way and that's the best way to find her in order to figure out where the cia is holding this pristine intersect chuck hacked into the cia database and learned about something called darpa Morgan comments on this being another acronym once again, because I don't care about acronyms. I did not write down what it stands for, but it's kind of like in um, James Bond when they have like the like Q and everything. That's that's pretty much the vibe. It's some sort of research facility. Chuck is really anxious and he asks Casey and Morgan to help him break into this database and Casey and Morgan agree They're about to head out, but when they open the door, Sarah is standing out there. She's covered in blood, and she says, sorry it took me so long to come home, and falls into Chuck's arms. We flash back to Sarah's encounter with Quinn in the previous episode, where she opens the door to him at gunpoint, and he explains to her that she has been undercover for five years monitoring a rogue spy named Chuck Bartowski. He gives her a file on Chuck and his family members and bids her to memorize it. Sarah asks why she should believe him, and then immediately just starts fighting him. Over the course of the fight, of course, she does end up in her lingerie inexplicably. It's kind of, uh, they, they got, they only got two episodes left. They got to get one in there. Then she throws Quinn out another window, which we did discuss in the previous episode, um, her throwing out, uh, throwing Quinn out of a train. Um, Chris, how did you feel about this window, uh, tossing sequence? Well, I was like, great. Yes, please throw him out the window. But I was also (laughs) frustrated because I was like, you know what? This is only like minute three of the episode. I don't think they're probably going to kill the main villain (laughs) in the first three minutes of it. So he's probably fine, even though this makes it not once, but twice that they've thrown Quinn out of a window. And he's literally that Sarah has thrown Quinn out of a window. Yeah, back to back two weeks. Maybe I don't even know how much time has elapsed in the show, but less than a week, probably. It's like. Yeah, I feel like they say at one point, like, over the past few days. Mm. So it's really a short amount of time. So he, she, like, threw him out of a window on a Sunday and then did it again on, like, a Thursday, probably. Yeah, crazy. 
We flash forward where Sarah is relaying this story to everyone. Everything seems good, but then we realize that Sarah actually has an earpiece in her ear, and Quinn is telling her who everyone is and what to say to them. We flash back to the fight, and we see that when Quinn was thrown out of the window, um, actually he has Sarah's robe wrapped around his neck, and Sarah was strong enough to just, like, hold him dangling over the ledge via this robe. It didn't rip, uh... That was, I mean, I don't know what this robe is, but I kind of want it. It seems very strong. Sarah demands that Quinn tell her what happened, and he responds by showing her... It, it is a mission log. We learn later in the episode that it's a mission log, but I like to refer to it as Sarah's vlog. Um, in 2007, she is describing her mission, and it does seem to align. Uh, we, of course, as audience members, know that her mission was... I mean, maybe her mission was kind of to kill Chuck, but, like, what she says is that she was um, monitoring Chuck until the CIA could decide what to do with him. And that seems to align with what uh, Quinn says that her mission is. He further manipulates her by saying that Graham and Bryce are both dead and Chuck was the one who killed them. He tells Sarah Chuck Bartowski needs to be stopped. And as part of stopping him, he needs her to first steal the intersect glasses that Chuck apparently has and then kill him. Sarah agrees. Back in the future, back back to the future? Hmm, that's a, nope, nope, just back in the future. Sarah and Chuck say, I love you to one another. They embrace, and then the screen turns black and white for some reason. That isn't like a motif that they use again. I don't really know what was going on there. I remember that now that you mentioned it. I didn't <laughs> like write it down or think about it again. But as it was happening, I was like, oh, yes, this is this is what happens. <laughs> that's, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't like register as weird to me for some reason. <laughs> that's just what happens when your wife is planning to kill you. <laughs> it was like they were in a, a commercial for some kind of like anti-depression uh, <laughs> medicine or something. Yeah, I guess so. Sarah's been in a cloud and then she's just, you know, just walking yeah. around mm -hmm. there's a little rain cloud above her. It's all black and white. She, take, she takes the new drug and then everything comes into color and she's all happy. Yeah, that's nice. And she doesn't try to kill her husband. <laughs> so next we learn that the uh, regularly scheduled credits are back. Cake Sweet. is back. And I haven't been this excited to see them since Chuck versus the helicopter. Um, after the credits, which I mean... We didn't get them last week. I, I could have done double credits. They could have done like an extended version or just started them over again because I was that happy to see them. But uh, we cut to Sarah cutting up a chicken very aggressively. I don't know what kind of chicken this is and why she's cutting it that way. Um, it seems like maybe they went directly to the butcher and just asked for like the freshest chicken that like hadn't been like cut up or treated previously. It seemed very bony. Um, which is probably why she's cutting it so aggressively, to be honest. But Chuck is pretty alarmed by this. Over the earpiece, Quinn tells Sarah not to underestimate Chuck, that he's a master manipulator. Um, Chuck, alarmed by Sarah's aggressiveness and just kind of her general vibe, heads into his room to um, regroup and maybe call a friend. Meanwhile, Sarah starts rifling through Chuck's stuff, looking for the intersect glasses, and she notices some of the pictures of them and their relationship, and she looks at them in uh, deep in thought. And we also, sorry to cut you off, but we have a oh. classified scene here. Surprise. I am surprised. I did. <laughs> uh, Sarah is trying to find the intersect glasses. She's rifling through the stuff in the living room. She's feeling discouraged that she can't find anything. And uh, Chuck comes and like sticks his head back out. It's when she's holding the Darth Vader ha helmet. Okay, I think yeah. Part of it's mm -hmm. in the actual episode. Yeah. But then Chuck leaves, and then Quinn, or she says to Quinn, it's impossible to find anything while he's around. And Quinn suggests that she wait until Chuck goes to sleep. And then Sarah looks around and sees a bottle of wine, Chateau Lafranc specifically. Uh huh. She says that she has an idea to put Chuck to bed real soon. We cut to Sarah putting some kind of white powder into a wine oh glass. Oh, my God. And no. Pour, and pouring wine on top of it. Holy she, shit. She hands it to Chuck. And Chuck's like, oh, well, you know, I can't have red wine after eight. It gives me acid reflux. And he puts the wine down and instead invites her to uh, do what they end up doing in the episode. So is that I, I guess it's kind of a roofie, right? That's what roofies are. I mean, like, yeah, I guess I, I guess so. Like, we don't know exactly what it is, if it's like a sleeping pill or if uh, it's like. But I mean, they're the same purpose. Um, yeah, I could see why they cut that. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty disturbing, to be honest. <laughs> Anyhow, continue. Yeah. So in the bedroom, um, Chuck is not being drugged by his wife. He is on the phone with his good friend, Morgan. 
He talks about how Sarah seems a little off to him, and Morgan fairly wisely points out that Sarah just was kidnapped, went through like a serious trauma, and she's probably like a little keyed up. So he and Chuck decide that the best course of action is to try to help Sarah relax. Chuck invites Sarah to join him in the bedroom, and despite Quinn's warning, Sarah heads in to join Chuck. We find out that Chuck has turned the room into a sort of makeshift massage parlor with lots of uh, candles and pillows and things. He leaves Sarah alone to change, which is pretty respectful of him, actually, like, and also good at keeping the vibe of a massage parlor, I guess. Like, considering they're a married couple, I don't think that's completely necessary, but I like I, I think it's very respectful of him and I like it. Sarah's a little nervous and relies on Quinn for a little bit of reassurance over the earpiece. He encourages her to agree to the massage. So she lays down on the bed with her knife under her. Like it's like under the pillow with her arm, which seems kind of like a bad idea. Um, I feel like she's going to get cut. Now, the next scene is Chuck enters the room and gives Sarah a massage. And I have to say, this is one of my prime memories, not just of this season of Chuck, but of Chuck the series. I have a very distinct memory of Chuck attempting to give Sarah a massage and commenting on the amount of lactic acid she has in her shoulders. Um, Maybe because I am so uncomfortable with this scene that it just really ground itself into my mind. Um, another thing that makes me really uncomfortable is Chuck tries to crack Sarah's neck. She refuses to allow him to do this, and he says, you love it when I crack your neck, which is just, um, I know that we've talked about Chris's intimacy issues around seeing Sarah and Chuck, uh, make love, but I have, I have this intimacy issue with, um, like, talking about Sarah's preferences for the temperature of her feet in bed, um, giving each other massages and what one another likes in the massage. I am very uncomfortable with this. I don't like it at all. Someone else who's uncomfortable about this is Sarah herself. The whole time Chuck is giving her a massage, she is clutching the knife she's hidden under the pillow. After a little while, she suggests that maybe the massage is not the best idea right now because she's so tired and she suggests they just go to bed. Across the way, in their own apartment, Morgan and Casey are reminiscing about how far they've come, how they've changed as people, and how it's pretty weird that soon all of their missions will be done. Casey begrudgingly asks Morgan if Morgan really thinks that he's changed that much, and we pan back to see that he's wearing a world's best dad apron and scrubbing the floors, which is kind of a cute moment that's not really remarked upon. Also across the way, Ellie and Devin are opening their mail, as you do late at night, and uh, they discovered that they got letters from some sort of Chicago hospital asking them to work there. After less than two seconds of talking about this, Ellie very dramatically says, are we really considering this? Which seems like a little fast to be like asking, like, it seems like she's like, are we doing this? And like, they've only had these letters. Also, like, I, I don't know if that's how job offers work. I am an admittedly not a doctor, but... Like, when I was a kid and anybody said, like, oh, my, my dad got transferred or my dad got promoted, like, I understood that to just come as a letter that, like, the powers that be just said, like, you've got a new job now. But, like, now that I'm in the, the job market, I most of the time you are applying for those things. You They don't just show up unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. um, so I was thinking that maybe this was, like, a subplot where, like, somebody bad was trying to lure them to Chicago, but it seems just, like, kind of a way to get them off the board and continue their lives after the show. Well, we can speculate about that, but uh, speculate is basically all we can do because it never <laughs> comes up again yeah. <laughs> over the course of the episode. I wrote it down, and I, once again, I was I was like, oh, I'm sure this will come back, and, and it does not. Nope. Probably it'll come up in Chuck versus the goodbye. Maybe Ellie and Devin are who Chuck is saying goodbye to. Mm -hmm. um, another thing about this scene I wanted to highlight is that Devin definitively says they've lived their whole lives in California, um, which I guess I guess we finally got an answer. I thought he was from Connecticut. They've said that his family is from Connecticut, but I guess he's lived his whole life in California. Don't know about that. Um, he and Ellie decide that a change might be nice, although Ellie always assumed that she'd live somewhere close to Chuck. Back across the way, Chuck is going to sleep. Once he falls asleep, Sarah sneaks out of the bed to look for the glasses once again. 
I was a little confused here because I didn't think that Chuck had the intersect glasses yet. I thought there was something he was trying to steal from this DARPA business, but apparently he has the glasses. They just don't have the intersect on them yet. Was that your understanding? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I thought that Chuck didn't actually have them, but then Sarah finds them, so apparently he does. Quinn tells Sarah that now is her chance to kill Chuck, so she sneaks back into their room, and she's about to do it, but then Chuck wakes up. She gets back into bed, and he, or she gets back into bed and pretends to be asleep. Chuck tries to put his feet on hers, but she, uh, refuses to allow this and rolls away. This is enough for Chuck to get so upset that he gets up out of bed and walks across the way to talk to Ellie. Sarah uses the Morgan door to follow him with uh, her knife once again. Chuck talks to Ellie, who is wearing glasses in this scene, which is uh, kind of a new a new look for Ellie, and it was kind of nice to see it. Sarah does some serious superhero moves. Like, it looks like she still has the intersect, but she, I don't think does, but she just kind of, like, parkours her way up onto the second floor balcony and sneaks into Ellie's house to eavesdrop. Downstairs, Chuck tells Ellie that things are just a little different and a little off since Sarah returned from being captured. He explains how her feet always get cold at night and she loves to have Chuck's feet covering hers, which once again made me very uncomfortable. Ellie, like Morgan, brings up the fact that Sarah is probably just traumatized from being kidnapped and having God knows what happened to her at the uh, behest of this villain who she then had to kill. Upstairs, Sarah is eavesdropping on all of this, listening in as Chuck says that he wants to destroy the Intersect for good so he and Sarah can move on with their lives and start their family. Sarah is a little confused, seemingly, about the fact that these people who she doesn't remember and who Quinn has told her are evil actually seem to really care about her. She relays this all to Quinn. Quinn says that she should just go with Chuck to get the Intersect and download the Intersect herself, then continue with her plan of killing him. Downstairs, Ellie is a little alarmed that Chuck is planning to destroy the Intersect, but after a little bit of thought, she encourages Chuck to go for it if he can do it safely. When she sees that Chuck is about to head back home, Sarah rushes back in, and Chuck finds her, apparently sleeping peacefully in bed. Once he's in bed with her, she puts her feet on his, and everything seems to be a little bit normal. The one question I have about all of this is that I don't think Quinn explained to Sarah that she had ever had the intersect, but it's brought up multiple times within Sarah's hearing of, like, that she was affected, that her memory was affected by the intersect, that they're nervous about the intersect's effect on her brain. She never seems to really question this, either to them or to Quinn, and that seems like a little bit of an oversight, either on her part or on the writer's part. Yeah, that's a good point, and they... To also to your point about like we don't we're led to believe that she doesn't have the intersect anymore but there there's no reason that we should think that us yeah. like we didn't see a scene where she we're led to believe that she got it suppressed at some point yeah. or whatever quinn was doing to her affected the intersect yeah so it's like they kind of glossed over the details of that but that's true that she doesn't really she clearly overhears their conversation enough to pick up on the detail about the cold feet yeah. But she doesn't really think twice about the intersect component of it. Yeah. We cut to a commercial and when we return, the team is in Castle with Chuck explaining his plan to break into the DARPA facility and destroy the intersect, specifically by having Sarah upload a virus that is saved on a floppy disk. Yeah. Real cutting edge technology here. Casey points out that all of this seems a little drastic, but Chuck contends that drastic is what they need, given all the hurt the intersect has caused him and his family. This is all the convincing the team needs, and they are fully on board. As they get ready to roll out, Morgan asks Chuck if he has any spare trank darts, you know, as you do. Uh, Chuck says that he doesn't, but Sarah usually keeps some spare ones in her bag. He opens up Sarah's duffel bag to find not trank darts, but the intersect glasses, which have been placed in a special travel case. That's nice. That's uh, that's smart, because you don't want to get your glasses all scratched up. No, Chuck finds this suspicious. He's like, is Sarah trying to like give these to me as a gift? <laughs> like to commemorate me having the intersect what's going on here we cut to the darpa laboratories where government scientists are working on the technology of tomorrow and by that i mean the technology of tomorrow 10 years ago <laughs> they basically just have a single drone flying around as well as some virtual reality glasses and some remote controlled cars with guns attached to them yeah <laughs> fighting the wars of tomorrow today darpa <laughs> they also have an actual invisibility cloak that morgan immediately enjoys playing around with and it's like 
kind of the only moment of levity in the entire episode. Like it feels yeah, like they, I, was, I was noticing that the writers were like, wow, this is a really heavy episode. We don't really have any jokes or anything. Maybe we should let Morgan play around <laughs> with an invisibility cloak. During the, that scene, he does a fairly good impression of Casey when he he says something like, Morgan, where'd you go? Or like something. Uh-huh. And then he's in the invisibility cloak. It was funny. Harry Potter, also a Warner Brothers property, kind of. So maybe that's, that's true. why they can do it. I was thinking it was interesting that um, Morgan like doesn't remember or like he probably does now, but like hadn't remembered Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But Harry Potter did make the cut. Harry Potter not usually included in those kinds in the Chuck lexicon of nerdy yeah properties, but I guess Harry Potter counts. I, it does, yeah. Especially especially at this time, I feel like it was pretty mainstream among like adult audiences as well. So before Team Bartowski can go into the labs, they pump sleeping gas into the lab's HVAC system, knocking out all the scientists. With no time to lose, they head further into the facility and encounter a hallway full of guards behind a locked door. Chuck Morgan and Casey stop to figure out a plan, but Sarah don't give a shit. And she just leaps through the window and into the hallway and kicks all the guards' asses. She unlocks the door for them, and Morgan is impressed, but Chuck and Casey are starting to suspect that something is not right. Uh, Now, something on IMDb said that Sarah's fight choreography in this scene is the same as Bryce's in the first episode when he's escaping from the original intersect room after he sends it to Chuck. And I was like, that sounds plausible. So I double checked and I can confirm that the that is how it is in the first episode. These episodes are symmetrical and it's Sarah's scene is basically a shot for shot remake of Bryce's action sequence in the in the first episode. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. I really like knowing that. You're welcome. That's why we do this show to exchange information. <laughs> Uh, So our team reaches the entrance to the intersect room and Sarah hacks into the control panel to open the door. They run in and immediately get to work. Chuck opens up some panel on the floor to interfere with the wiring while Sarah sits down at the computer terminal. Chuck tells Sarah what they need to do, but she really don't give a shit and just pretends to be listening and instead plugs in the intersect glasses into the computer in order to download the intersect. I don't know how no one notices her doing that. Like, I guess they just trust her, but she's being so sus. (laughs) Once the download is complete, it goes by very fast. Sarah whips out her gun and takes Morgan hostage. Casey and Chuck share a look like (laughs) women. Am I right? Just kidding. (laughs) They don't do that. They're legitimately concerned that Sarah is deranged and about to murder Morgan. They put their weapons down and Sarah pushes Morgan over to them. She says that she has the intersect safe and sound now and explains that Quinn told her everything about Team Bartowski and the intersect. Chuck says that everything Quinn told her was a lie and tries to embrace her. And it seems like it might be getting through to her. But then we hear Quinn say, what are you still doing there over her earpiece? And Sarah punches Chuck in the face and then runs away. As she exits the intersect room, she shoots the control panel so no one can get in or out and then places an explosive device on the door for good measure. Casey hears the bomb ticking and tells Chuck, but Chuck is too deep into an uh, anxiety attack to be much of much help. As Sarah exits the building, she considers pushing the detonator on the bomb, but she chickens out of it. She tells Quinn that they don't need to kill Tim Bartowski since they're trapped and will get arrested. <laughs> Quinn says, that's not your call, and pushes his own copy of the detonator blowing up the intersect room in the process. It sounded, um, that's that's all very serious. It's it's no laughing matter, but I laughed because it sounded like you said Tim Bartowski. And I was just thinking, what if they introduced like Chuck's like secret twin brother at this point? <laughs> it was Tim Bartowski. That sounds like a football player. Absolutely. (laughs) How are we going to get out of this situation? Oh, it's my twin brother, my (laughs) long lost twin, Tim Bartowski, saving the day once again. So we cut to a break and when we come back, we see the destroyed intersect room. Seems like Chuck Casey and Morgan's bodies were vaporized in the explosion because they're nowhere (laughs) to be found. Wait, no, they're fine. They were just hiding beneath the floor panels. Casey's like, what the hell was that all about? And they realize that Quinn must have turned Sarah against them and now has the intersect chuck says not quite and reveals that he has the actual intersect glasses turns out he did the old switcheroo when he was trying to hug sarah earlier he says i didn't want to believe it but deep down i knew my wife never came home and what is pretty sad one of the saddest lines of chuck probably yeah (laughs) meanwhile sarah goes to meet quinn in an underground tunnel she punches him in the face too for blowing up a government facility and he's indifferent She hands him the glasses and Quinn immediately notices that the glasses are empty or Quinn, maybe they're half full. Ever think about (laughs) it like that? 
Change your attitude, Quinn. Turn that frown upside down. Give you a whole new perspective. Attitude is key. Sarah says that it's not possible that the glasses are empty. And Quinn asks if anyone got too close to her. Sarah realizes that Chuck did and that he must have switched out the glasses. This unfortunately feeds into the bullshit narrative that Quinn has been feeding Sarah about Chuck being the bad guy. They realize it doesn't matter really anymore because Chuck died in the explosion. That is until Chuck calls Sarah at that exact moment. They're both like, he's still alive. Back in Castle, Chuck is freaking out because Sarah won't answer his call. And Morgan tries to defend her, saying that the intersect is probably destroying her brain. Casey is much more pragmatic about the situation and says that Sarah might be gone forever because Quinn turned her against them and because the intersect might have permanently destroyed her mind. Chuck insists that they can jumpstart Sarah's memories by reminding her of who she really is deep down, like they did for Morgan. Plus, Chuck adds, he has the real glasses, so she's going to be coming after him sooner rather than later. Casey, once again, more pessimistic about the situation and points out that Sarah is an enemy assassin who knows where they and their families live. Whether Chuck likes it or not, they're at war with Sarah. Chuck won't believe that Sarah would attack Ellie or Devin and hurries off to try to call their landline, which is apparently something that Ellie and Devin have in their house. Yeah, it's 2011. All right, fine. Devin picks up the phone and is seemingly fine. So Chuck asks if Ellie is there too. Devin says, no, she just went out to coffee with Sarah. That was a that was a pretty good Devin. Thanks. I, I host this podcast about Chuck every week, so <laughs> I have practice. You should check it out sometime if you get a chance. Okay, I'll, I'll look into it. We'll talk about it after the show. The co-host is like, yeah, but like. <laughs> you said that you only wrote nice insults. The gloves are coming off now. As listeners of our show know, I respect the sanctity of girl talk. So I did not listen in on Sarah and Ellie's conversation <laughs> over coffee. Although if I did, I would imagine that it would be a very awkward conversation in which Ellie tries to offer empathy to Sarah for all that she's been through lately. And Sarah could not be any more indifferent. <laughs> Just then Chuck calls Ellie's cell phone and Sarah asks if she can answer it. Ellie's like, I guess that's how the phones work, but sure. So Sarah picks it up and immediately tells Chuck that she knows he switched out the glasses on her and that it so happens that she has some clever moves of her own. She tells Chuck which cafe they're at and tells Chuck to bring the glasses within 15 minutes or she's going to kill Ellie. Now, I don't have that much experience with L.A., but I feel like 15 minutes is a very unreasonable amount of time. To give someone to meet somewhere. Yeah, that's a good point. Chuck uh, has the phone on speaker when he's talking to Sarah. He's in the castle conference room and doesn't say much. Sarah hangs up and in castle, we hear a voice off screen say, I've heard enough. You were right to contact me. It's General (laughs) motherfucking Beckman. So excited to see her. She's like, holy shit. Sarah finally snapped after five seasons of this nonsense. What did you guys do to her? <laughs> Beckman says that she's going to send men to Regal Plaza. All Chuck needs to do is convince Sarah that he's hidden the intersect glasses uh, somewhere else. I'm not really clear. And then bring her there. Chuck is a little leery about this since he doesn't want to bring his wife to her death by the United States government. But Beckman says that she wants to bring Sarah in peacefully and rescue Ellie in the process. But how things play out depends on Sarah. Back at the cafe, Ellie's keeping her cool and tries to tell Sarah that the intersect is melting her brain, but Sarah doesn't want to hear it. She knows that Ellie is involved with Chuck's ruse. Just then, Chuck shows up at the cafe, so pretty quickly, maybe, I guess, within 15 minutes. Sarah asks if he has the glasses, and Chuck says that he doesn't, but that he will lead her to them. Sarah is pissed and threatens to shoot Ellie, but Chuck insists that Ellie is innocent and that he will give her the glasses. Sarah, although deranged and brainwashed, compromises that and says that she'll go with Chuck to the plaza, but she'll take Ellie with her. If she sees anything suspicious, she will shoot Ellie. This isn't Chuck's ideal situation, but he accepts it. Casey and Morgan set up uh, at the the plaza. So they're going to Regal Plaza. The cafe is not at Regal Plaza. Is that correct? I think that is correct. But I would assume Regal Plaza is somewhere close by to the cafe. Yes. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. So Casey and Morgan are set up there while they're waiting for the rest of Beckman's team. Chuck calls Casey to tell him that he's on his way with Sarah. And Casey basically suggests that he's going to shoot Sarah as soon as he has a shot. (laughs) Chuck insists that the real Sarah is still there deep down. But Casey despondently says that the old Sarah is gone. Chuck says, my wife isn't gone. And then takes a sharp turn off the main road. As this is happening, Ellie, who's driving her and Sarah in Ellie's minivan, tries to appeal to Sarah yet again. She tells her that Sarah was in her wedding party and at the hospital when she gave birth to her daughter. Sarah's family, goddammit. Sarah still doesn't buy it and says that if it was always just a mission for her and now it's coming to a close, 
Ellie asks what's going to happen to Chuck when Sarah finishes her mission, and Sarah just tells her to keep close. Just then, Ellie notices that Sarah never buckled her seatbelt, which dangerous, Ellie, dangerous, very dangerous for this exact reason. Ellie points out that if Sarah were actually in the right state of mind, she would want Ellie to do anything in order to protect Chuck. Sarah doesn't know what Ellie is getting at. And then Ellie apologizes and then crashes into a parked car at like full speed. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is kind of funny. It, like I was very serious watching this episode, but talking yeah. about it makes it sound a lot more. It's very goofy. Insane when you think about it. Yeah. Chuck sees this accident and pulls over immediately and runs over to see what's going on. Sarah's knocked out cold and Ellie tells Chuck that Sarah's trying to kill him and that something is seriously wrong with her. Chuck says that he knows and that's why he's taking to her place that will help her remember. He throws Sarah over his shoulder and puts her in the backseat of his nerd herd mobile. Ellie begs Chuck to bring Sarah to the CIA, but Chuck says he won't turn Sarah in because she's still his wife. Chuck says, what if it was Devin? Yeah, he does. And Ellie's like, well, shit, I guess he got me there. <laughs> Chuck speeds off down the road while Ellie calls Casey to let him know that Chuck has gone rogue with Sarah. Fortunately, Ellie has an idea of where Chuck may have taken her. And then uh, we have a declassified scene. Go on. Morgan hurries into the back of a SWAT van where Casey is sitting on the computer. Morgan points out that Ellie told him uh, told them to go alone to the secret location. So why are they bringing all of Beckman's men? If they bring more fire, more firepower, Morgan says there's a higher likelihood that Sarah will get killed in a conflict. Casey says that even though people may think he's gone soft, he hasn't. And he's going to do what's right for the mission. And that's the entirety of the declassified scene. I guess that's like playing into the earlier scene, implying that Casey has gone soft. Mm -hmm. So I understand where it's coming from, but that doesn't really add anything to the episode. So Sarah wakes up and she and Chuck are surprise, surprise in their dream home. I don't really know. I mean, I guess that Sarah has been fantasizing about this dream home for a long time. But in the context of the show, they've only really known about this house for like, what, like a month, two months. So it's not really like a definitive moment in their relationship that would automatically inspire. Like once again, as you said in our last episode, it's asking Sarah to remember something that hasn't happened yet. So it's like kind of weird. Also like, did this realtor who has a crush on Chuck let them in again or did they break and enter? It's kind of unclear. Well, I was thinking about it because I was like, they're back at the house and I'm like, they still don't own this house. <laughs> What's happening? But then I was like, wait a second. They're both professional spies. I'm yeah, sure they could probably break into a normal house. But I do like to imagine Chuck pulling up, calling the realtor with his unconscious wife over his shoulder and being like, yeah, we need to go in again. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> it is. <laughs> when Sarah wakes up, um, she insists that it was all always just a mission to her and she didn't actually fall for Chuck. Chuck says she's not a good liar as she thinks she is, which I guess is kind of like a, a mystery level uh, <laughs> nagging to get her to believe him. I don't know about this. Um, he then proceeds to make a speech, which I'm going to do my best to um, describe it's a lot of um, him like reminiscing about moments in their relationship, including their first kiss, the first time Sarah said that she loved him, things like that. Um, we do actually get those flashbacks, um, sometimes with the full dialogue, sometimes the full scene in which they happen, but also Chuck is narrating um, what they meant to him. I'm going to highlight two of the lines he says. One of them is, one day when I was sure you could never love a nerd like me. He talks a lot about how he's a nerd in this sequence. And then the other thing I want to highlight is when he says, when I asked you to marry me, you didn't have to say yes. Which makes me think, did Sarah want to marry Chuck? Did she like just try to say no? And then Chuck just like interpreted it as like, oh, well, you love me so much. You didn't even have to say yes. Is, was, is Sarah a kept woman? Did you clock that? Did you think that was weird? <laughs> So, well, in the interest of full transparency, I did not clock any of this as weird. The only thing that I noted down as this was happening was that I was actively crying. <laughs> okay. Well, this scene we made to me very shed, different... shed actual tears. <laughs> okay, so you were a little distracted. Um, like Chris, Chuck is very tearful during this speech. Um, 
he, he talks well, I was crying because he was crying. Yeah, well, he's he's doing a good job of crying. He did start the waterworks. Yeah. He talks about how um, he's so much of a nerd, but th- that he actually makes Sarah happy and he wishes that she could believe him about this. Then I, I don't know if she's ever tied up. I wrote down that he unties her, but maybe she's just in the chair. Um, Chuck gives her the chance to take the glasses or leave the house with him. She says, this is real. You really love me, which seems like maybe she's going to take the second option. But then she admits that she did her job too well and she has a mission to finish. She grabs the glasses, but Chuck gets to them first. Then Sarah starts beating him up to get them. He refuses to fight her because he says he'll never hurt her. So she responds by kicking him down the stairs. They head into the living room and God damn it, that carving is still there on the wall. Nobody's painted over it or moved it. I guess this realtor just maybe didn't notice it or didn't mind. Sarah pulls a gun on Chuck, and his blood spatters all over the wall, covering their horrible, stupid carving once and for all. Just kidding. Chuck continues to cry, and Sarah looks over his shoulder and recognizes her handwriting on the wall. She doesn't remember, but it's enough to make her hesitate, just long enough for Quinn to barge in the door and grab the glasses himself. At Chuck's prompting, Quinn admits that he did actually use Sarah and lie to her about what has been happening. He shoots at Sarah, but Chuck jumps in front of the bullet. In fact, he's wearing a vest, so it's fine. He just gets knocked down, and while Sarah shoots at Quinn, he escapes. The CIA then comes in, but Chuck tells Sarah to run before it's too late. When Sarah is safely out of there, Chuck tells everyone that Sarah is actually gone. We cut back to Echo Park, where Ellie and Devin are taking Chuck into their home and asking him to, I guess, like, take a nap to recover from all of this, which is understandable. He laments that his wife is gone forever, and Ellie and Devin are a little bit sad. Or, I guess, a lot of bit sad. Back at her hotel apartment, Sarah is packing up. Oh, we got it declassified? Yep. Okay. A lot of them this episode. Yep. Well, this is the last episode that has declassified scenes. So oh, this wow. Is, this is the penultimate declassified scene right here. Okay. Uh, Casey returns home, and as he enters, Beckman greets him from his television, as she does. She says that she knows that they've all had a long day, but she points out that Casey's no longer the man he was when she first sent him to Burbank. He agrees, and Beckman says that she needs the old Casey back for a top-secret mission that only he can complete. She needs him to leave Carmichael Industries and come work for her. She asks if he's on board, and Casey grunts with approval. So they're really, like, they really cut out all the, like, Casey (laughs) stuff in this episode. Okay. All right. Understandably so. Yeah. So back at her hotel apartment, Sarah packs up. Casey knocks on the door and comes in. Sarah has her knife drawn initially, but Casey tells her she doesn't need it, and she uh, puts it down. He asks what she remembers about him, and she says she mostly remembers his reputation as someone being unfriendly and unquestioning of his orders. Casey kind of laughs at this and says, people said the same thing about you. He gives her an envelope and explains how working with Chuck changed them as people, and they became softer and became friends. Once Casey leaves, Sarah opens the envelope and finds another, I guess it's not a floppy disk, it's a compact disk, labeled Mission Log. She puts it into her, I guess, DVD player and watches herself recount her experience with Chuck. And I have to ask, like, was this for her superiors? Because she gets very candid about how she kissed Chuck, how she loves him, how she's not sure how she feels. Like, is it is it just for posterity for herself? Or is it for, like, for Graham and Beckman? Did Graham and Beckman watch this? Is this just something they would have watched if something had gone wrong? Is it just kind of like therapy mandated by, like, the CIA that Sarah just has to, like, vent once a day? Is it for, like, a dedicated YouTube following? She starts off very professional, but it quickly goes off the rails into her talking about her feelings and like (laughs) feeling confused. And it it must be work related, right? Because Casey is able to access it. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Property of the government, which makes it very weird that like is Beckman watching all of this stuff and just like not not remarking upon it to Sarah. Like it seems like Sarah clearly needs to talk. They should send her to Christopher Lloyd, the therapist. (laughs) So back at his apartment, Chuck is heading home. He's about ready to enter his door when he turns around and sees that Sarah is in the courtyard. She tells him that after watching the mission log, she does believe him about all the stories he told her. But the truth is that she doesn't actually feel it. She apologizes for everything that's happened and says that she has to go after Quinn to uh, get, I don't know, like, it's not really like revenge or get her life back she just has to like 
stop him, I guess. She says that she really only came to say goodbye. She then leaves, and Chuck is left alone standing in the courtyard in a very wide-legged stance. He's got, like, he's got, like, a good couple feet between each of his feet. Like, he's he's just kind of standing there. I guess that's, when you're depressed, you know, that's how you stand. And uh, it's a very sad ending for this episode. Or is it the ending? Because we have the final declassified <laughs> scene of Chuck. All right, go on. Uh, as... Sarah walks away, leaving Chuck alone and heartbroken in the courtyard. Casey pours himself a glass of scotch in his living room and thinks about the road ahead. (laughs) It's Sarah's apartment slash hotel. Her bags are packed and ready to go. She somberly sits at her like little table kind of kitchenette area and she takes off her wedding ring and just leaves it on the table. Chuck back in his apartment sits on his and Sarah's bed and picks up the framed photo of them that he keeps on his nightstand. He holds the one of them his... at Comic Con. No, the one of them like on uh, going hiking or they're outside. Oh, okay, or, yeah, no, yeah. I think they're at a party in that one. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he's looking at it. He's sad. He holds it to his chest and then he lays alone on his side of the bed. Did and... you cry again? <laughs> I got choked up. Uh, not in the declassified scene, but in the actual ending of uh-huh. the episode. Mm-hmm. Did not fully cry, but there were definitely tears formulating in my eyes <laughs> that needed just a little bit of a nudge before they actually graduated to okay. streaming down my face. Sense. Yeah. So, I was close. Whew. Chuck versus Sarah. <sighs> what a what an, what an episode. What an episode. So let's get right into it. What do you want to marry this week, Aaron? For Chuck Mary Kill. Keep in mind, you can't take your ring off. Once you put that ring on, you can't take it off if you're not not feeling it after you get brainwashed <laughs> by an evil spy. That's true. Like, if if this were to continue, would they have to get a legal divorce or would they just be, like, separated? Like, it, it doesn't seem like Sarah's, like, asking Chuck to go to court with her, but, like, maybe papers would come at some point. I guess so. It's rough. It's she just drops out. I'm like, she just doesn't yeah. feel it anymore. You know, she just doesn't feel it. It's it's I mean, in a way, it's just like any breakup. But it's not. She had her brain wiped from. Well, like, it's just like uh, the the popular movie starring Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams, The Vow. This was a big plot line in 2011. Anyhow, my Mary, I really liked um, Casey's speech, like you getting choked up at Chuck's speech. I wouldn't go so far as to say I got choked up, but um, despite the fact that a lot of these, the uh, Casey development uh, things were relegated to declassified scenes, I really liked seeing uh, Casey reflect on how far he and Sarah have come, how they were friends, and how they changed each other, and how Chuck changed them. That was the kind of speech I was looking for in this episode in appealing to Sarah's like how far she's come and what what uh, her relationship with Chuck has really meant to her. And I have always really liked Casey and Sarah's relationship as kind of begrudging and then like actual friends. And I really liked that, although he is kind of drifting back to being a hard ass, like Casey does still try to help Sarah out. What about you? I have to give it up for Zachary Levi's performance this week. Typically, you know, we talk about how Yvonne provides the emotional core for the show. But since Sarah was basically a robot this week, <laughs> this fell on to Zach. And I think he really delivered. Like I said, I uh, it got emotional during the scenes where Chuck is reminding Sarah of their relationship. And I believe a large part of that was because, you know, Zach was doing such a good job of conveying Chuck's emotions himself. I don't think Zachary Levi has had an opportunity this season to deliver an emotional performance like this. So I'm glad that we have it. I think it might be uh, maybe his most affecting performance of the entire season, if not one of the most. So I think he's really um, he's really grown as an actor over the past five seasons. I think that's fair. Proud of him. Proud of my boy, my son. Uh, so he was a real underdog when he started, and he's now he's a now he's, he's an American like underdog. A, yeah, now he's an American underdog. Did you was that your joke going into it? That or was no? I was like I I had the um the setup. I did not have the punchline, so I do appreciate you uh fixing that for me. That is why we're a good team, just like yes. the team of marry and kill. What is your kill? <laughs> Okay, well, this is going to be, I think this is the first time this season that this has happened. Usually you are the one um, doing this to me. Um, 
I am killing. I, I liked Zachary Levi's performance, but I am killing his speech. Um, for all the reasons that I did like Casey's speech, I really didn't like um, Chuck's speech to Sarah. And again, it is not a performance issue. It is more of a writing issue. But I think Chuck's uh, Chuck's speech really focused a lot on him and his feelings about Sarah and how what their relationship has meant to him, which I, I suppose is valid. Like he, he does have feelings, but he said a lot about how he was a nerd and how like he was putting a lot of his insecurities into the speech and explaining how Sarah helped him. Um, and I really wished like I thought he was going to go in the direction of like you you wouldn't have like where you started you wouldn't have fallen for anyone let alone someone like me but like you changed over the course of this mission you became like softer you started to look towards um like a future that wasn't just running from mission to mission like i wanted to see more of that um as opposed to just like chuck's feelings about like how he was such a nerd and she never should have fallen for him and it was a surprise that she did like i i just found that a little bit of a bummer and a little bit less romantic than, um, but I can see a, like how it would be affecting as like, I really haven't like put myself into Chuck's shoes. Like, I feel like Chuck is kind of, um, I, I don't want to psychoanalyze you here, but I, my, <laughs> um, my impression is that, like, you really um, grafted onto Chuck, like, especially as a younger viewer, but a little bit now as, like, a relatable figure, like, as a, like, man who's, like, maybe, cons like, into pop culture that is considered traditionally nerdy, like, as an underdog yourself, um, you kind of relate to Chuck, so maybe when he's making this speech, you are kind of picturing yourself in his shoes and getting really into his emotions. And I was kind of on the other side of like imagining myself as Sarah and thinking like, if I heard this, I don't know if I would be convinced. So I can see how we would differ in our feelings on it. Mm -hmm. Again, the performance itself like was effective. I did really appreciate the chance to like see Zach like cry on screen and like bring those emotions i thought he did a good job with it it was just what he was saying i wasn't convinced so i can't uh fault sarah for not being convinced either so that was that was kind of a, a long <laughs> a long emotional thing i just said what, what was your kill chris <laughs> uh well i mean i think i i think that's you know i think that's all very interesting and a good point um i think i was part of what was getting to me was like the the like the the older footage like because it kind of dawned on me i was like oh they because i don't really think about how they don't seem drastically older to me than like when uh -huh. the show started but mm -hmm. then seeing them juxtaposed against it i was like oh they mm -hmm. were so young and they yeah, were fair. like such different characters and then you're like oh my god they've grown so much and also have yep. grown, grown closer together um and so there was that kind of like recognition of them like sort of growing up that maybe also was making that's, me teary. that is emotional yeah um but at the end of the day like this show is more about chuck and sarah's relationship than it yeah. is ever about chuck being like a spy or anything like that's mm -hmm. always tangential so it is very important to see their progress mm -hmm. uh my kill so casey didn't want to go to prague with verbanski a few weeks ago because he didn't want to leave alex and burbank uh -huh. Beckman says that she has a new job for him, which I'm assuming is probably not in Burbank. He doesn't give it a second thought. Right. I mean, that's a good point. Unless the job is in Burbank, but she specifically says you need to leave Carmichael Industries. Yeah. So I'm assuming that he's going somewhere. I feel like having Chuck and Sarah's lives being totally upended uh, currently. Like, why do they also need to uproot Casey in the progress? Yeah. Like the process of it? I guess they're like, oh, well, we can't leave Casey out of all the craziness, but... And maybe it comes up again just, next week and we learn the true nature of his job. I'm not sure. I assume that what they're trying to do as writers is just like all the characters are going their separate ways. Evan, yeah. Evan, yeah. Devin and Ellie are going to Chicago. Casey is leaving. Um, Morgan and Alex, like they don't really address this, but like Morgan and Alex are like together and they like don't really need Chuck anymore. And then Sarah's left. So it is really Chuck versus the goodbye in this next episode. 
kind of like that that final scene of Seinfeld as they all go their separate ways on the subway. <laughs> right, Chris? That, that's the final scene of Seinfeld? Isn't it? No, I thought they all go to jail. What? So have you ever, you don't know about the finale of Seinfeld? Are you, like, making a joke? No, I'm not. I've seen the finale of Seinfeld. Oh, well, maybe I'm confused. I thought it ended with them going, because they it ends with them going on trial for all of their crimes that they've committed against society, and then they go to jail. You're... <sighs> You're doing you're doing a bit here. I'm not doing a bit. I might be wrong, but I legitimately believe this to be true. Okay, no, I I'm reading it. I guess you're right. What am I thinking of? What's yes. the one? What is what is what's the part where like uh, time of your life plays? Aaron doesn't know what Seinfeld is. That happens in the in Seinfeld too. Is that in the finale? Probably. All right, well, I'm going to do some more research about this. I'll report back next week. I don't even remember where we are in the episode now because my mind has been blown. Well, we're right at the scooter scale. And this is the part where uh, maybe you don't remember, but I'll try to make get your memories back by reminding <laughs> you of your true love of the scooter scale. So how many corn dogs would you like to give this episode if you can remember what corn dogs are? All right, I'm watching the, the final scene of Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give this episode a three and a half corn dogs. I thought it was better than average. I did appreciate the um, levity of the episode. I appreciated the um, seriousness of... Like, I, I appreciated that the show was willing to get dark. However I feel about the Sarah losing her memory plotline, we will surely discuss next week. But I thought that they really went there, and I think that is that is a bold move um, to really after five seasons, take one of your main characters and essentially, like, restart them and then force everyone else to deal with that is a very, like, big thing. And I could easily see them, like, resolving it, like, having Sarah, like, get her memory back by the end of this episode and just having it be, like, fixed and happy again. But the fact that they don't do that and the fact that it's so like serious throughout the episode that Sarah is actively trying to harm Chuck and that we see that she's like being fully manipulated by Quinn is like intense. And I think the episode handles it fairly well. I think I had some issues, like I said, with the contents of Chuck's speech, but I did really like the um, Casey like talking about how far they've come as people. I did like seeing Ellie and Chuck have a bonding moment. Like, we haven't really seen that recently, so that was nice. I thought that um, it was nice to see Beckman again. Like, as a penultimate episode, I don't know, like, if this is, like, an extremely, like, satisfying episode of Chuck, but it is, like pretty memorable in the fact that I remembered a lot of it from previous viewings. I think it's fairly, um, it has a lot of gravity. So I guess that kind of makes sense for like the second to last episode of your series. Um, I thought it was like pretty good, not perfect, but like pretty good, definitely better than the past couple episodes um, we've watched. Maybe one of the best episodes of season five so far. Wow. I um interesting. I feel like we had different kind of viewings of this episode. Okay. I I mean I my my score is not that different. I would give it a 3 out of 5. Okay. But I think that this episode is hard for me to judge or to assess because I think like I do not necessarily like or support this story arc, especially as the way to end the entire series. Like I think the episode is uh, you know, it's very serious and very sad at points. And I think that like in the sense that it, like in that sense, it is effective at what it is trying to do because it's like your point to your point. It's, you know, about the gravity and uh, it is a bold choice to be going in this direction. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah, they're going for it. And so I think it sets out to do a certain thing and I think it achieves it like I appreciated that I got emotional during this episode, but um, I I don't know if that I like to have saying me crying was my favorite part of the episode is kind of a weird <laughs> thing to say. So yeah, 
But that's kind of how I feel because I feel like the rest of it was just kind of so, I guess, like talking about it, there are parts that are funny in retrospect. Um, like uh, Ellie crashing her car. Ellie crashing her car. Like, I also laughed, even though I had tears on my face when Chuck got thrown down the stairs because it was a very long clip of him falling yeah. down. Um, yeah, and like when, when Shaw threw Sarah over the balcony in Castle. Right. It's, it's not funny, but no. it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so there's some of that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just I I wish this episode was different. Yeah. And I do not like the direction they're going in, but I guess it was fine for what it was. We're going to have to have um, it seems like we might be in agreement, but I assume we're going to have to have a long period of time, maybe even a whole episode talking about the decision to erase Sarah's memory. I know it's contentious. Um, I'd like to do some more research um, to find out if Presumably, it's contentious because there are some fans that are into it. So I want to find them and talk to them. If I, so, before we do this, if you are one of the fans that really like stands behind this ending and mm. likes it, I would love to hear your opinions. So please tweet at us or email us. Like, write a whole essay, write a whole thesis. I don't care, or just write a sentence. You, well, you don't have to write an essay for us, but I'd love to hear from you. So please contact us. Awesome idea. Yes, definitely. Please reach out if uh, I feel that I have my opinions already formulating about how I'm going to feel about it. But I will wait until we actually watch the episode for yeah. me to make my final call. Um, until then, what did you learn this week? I learned that vlogging is a really good way to manage your emotions. It probably is. If you think of like it's kind of the equivalent of keeping a diary or journal, which is a good thing to yeah. do. Mm -hmm. But you get to actually say it aloud, which is probably more therapeutic. Yeah. What about you? This week, I learned that you should always carve your name into a house that you might just purchase in the near future because you may need that carving to remind your spouse of your relationship before they had their mind wiped by an unstable supercomputer. I thought of another thing I learned, which is always wear your seatbelt. Always. Uh, damn it. That's the best one. Always <laughs> you never belt. know when your sister-in-law will crash into a parked car in order to knock you out so that your husband can throw you over his shoulder and take you to a house that you do not own. <laughs> uh, low key, the one of the craziest episodes of Chuck, I guess. Uh, yeah. But well, that's it's wild that next week we're it's the the big one. It's. It's the big one. truck versus the big one. <laughs> do we have to dress up? Like, uh, like, do I have to wear a suit? I wore a suit I for one episode, tuxedo. right? We dress up for the wedding, right? Yeah, or we dressed up for the wedding and we drank champagne. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what should for, we drink this episode? That was Ellie and Devin's wedding, right? Yes. The champagne. Yeah. Did, we didn't drink for no, Chuck wait, and Sarah's? I think we did. I think we dressed up for Chuck and Sarah's wedding, but it wasn't. I, I think I wore a bridesmaid's dress. I kind of remember that. I wore a suit, I think. Yeah. Okay. Just right. for our own pleasure. So maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the final scene does involve the beach. So maybe we could uh, wear beach attire. How do, how do you feel about that? <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, I can wear a Hawaiian shirt. That probably thematically works with probably what the episode is about. So good idea. Until then, my name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erin Arata reminding you that anything is possible. We'll see you next week. It's the last one. Ah! Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.